every woman has a birth story to tell. This podcast is our birth story. The birth story of how each of us became midwives. Our journey to midwifery. I'm your host, Amber Wilson, a doctor midwife. And each episode, I'll take you on another journey to hear the stories of midwives all across the globe. Listen to each tell the story of their personal journey. Listen to the words of how each was birthed into the field of midwifery and listen to the stories of trials and tribulations along the way and the love and passion each holds for midwifery. Good day, loyal listeners. Today we have Amber, who is a certified nurse midwife from Lincoln, Nebraska. So Amber gets to interview Amber. So say hello. Tell us about yourself. Hi, um, obviously I'm Amber Walter um, from Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, I have been in Lincoln for quite some time now, um, practicing in one form or another. Um, currently, I've been a certified nurse midwife um, with Lincoln OBGYN for about two and a half years. Okay, how long have you been a practicing midwife? Same, two and a half years. Okay, okay. I, <laughs> I started there as a new job. grad. That's okay. It's a first job for my midwifery um, career. And then I had worked as a nurse here um, for about nine years, um, practicing almost in the same hospital the whole time um, with one of, the, one of the two main hospitals here in town, which was St. Elizabeth. Okay. What kind of nurse were you before you went into midwifery? Yeah, so I started out um, as a surgical nurse, mostly because the postpartum slash mother floor um, wouldn't take me without some surgical experience. So I um, applied to what we had at that time was a float position, and you could travel every 12 weeks to a different position. And so I started out in surgical, meanwhile applying to postpartum, um, and finished my 12-week stint and was a postpartum nurse. And I did about half of my experience in postpartum um, and then half of my experience um, as a labor and delivery nurse. Okay. So the postpartum floor would not take you without experience? They would not take me without surgical experience. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess that makes sense. I just haven't heard that before. Um, So to go back, tell us why you wanted to be a midwife. What made you go into midwifery? I think that probably really starts with how I became a nurse, um, which is kind of a funny story for all of it, maybe. But um, when I was in high school, one of my good friends said that I needed to apply to a job um, in an assisted living. And I basically said, okay, and applied to the job and started working with um, elderly residents and had no clue what I was doing, um, but kind of really fell in love with it. And this was when I was a junior or senior in high school. Um, And so, and I went on to college after this and still worked in assisted livings and thought that I would be a radiologist or a math professor in a college level. Um, All the meanwhile, all the little old ladies would always ask me, are you going to be a nurse someday? And I kept telling them, no, that I was not going to be a nurse someday. Well, they're kind of persistent. (laughs) And... 
I eventually told them yes and switched my major into be a nursing. So I went into nursing. And when I had applied, I got accepted into um, one of the colleges here in Lincoln, um, University and Nebraska Medical Center, the College of Nursing um, in Lincoln. And so I um, thought maybe I would be a pediatric nurse and really like pediatrics and got to my pediatric rotation and really didn't like it. Mm -hmm. So I kind of liked labor and delivery and there was no kind of preceptorship stuff in labor and delivery. So I did my preceptorship um, in postpartum and I really fell in love with postpartum and really enjoyed kind of that aspect and kind of that kind of care. Um, And so when I went and finished my nursing career, I asked to um, apply to the postpartum floor and the postpartum director said I needed surgical experience. So that's kind of how that mm-hmm. came about. So I did the surgical experience and then got hired on after my 12 weeks on to postpartum. So meanwhile, um, there's a couple of midwives um, in Lincoln that um, one of them of which had been a professor at UNMC and was talking to her students as I'm a nurse and was talking about midwifery. And I kind of look over at her um, as she's talking about a midwifery career and kind of said, ah, I just hate to go back to school. And she kind of indignantly and rightly so looked back at me and said, well, it's a master's. And if you really like it, I think you need to go and try it. Mm -hmm. Um, She said, do you have a bachelor's? And I said, yes. She goes, well, just go and see if you like labor and delivery. And so once again, I said, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And so I went over to labor and delivery and then fell in love with it and kind of really had a knack for it. And I really liked at our hospital how well they were with supporting what options the mom wanted for her birth, whether that was a repeat C-section, whether that was no medication, whether that was an epidural. I felt like the nurses at our hospital really didn't push a mom one way or another. And I really, really love that. Um, One of the other midwives in town, Carol Greenlee, um, who used to actually be at my clinic before she retired, um, kind of noticed how I took on to being a labor and delivery nurse. And one day she gave me kind of a little card from Frontier Nursing University that you should be a midwife. And she really came up to me and said, I think you'd be really good at this. I think you'd be really good for your community. And I think that you should be a midwife. And she really kind of took me on and taught me how to do a lot of midwifery things and the nursing aspect. And so I applied to um, Frontier Nursing University after I said, okay. (laughs) And I went to the school and became a midwife. So I think if it wasn't for my friend telling me that I should just apply to this job in high school, I'm not sure where my career would have led me, but I'm super happy that all those people were put in my life that it led me to my career in midwifery. Yeah, you certainly sounds like you ran into all the right people and all the right steps to get you here. For sure. Yeah. So you just um, found out about Frontier. Did you think about other schools or was that your, that's where you were going? So I did. I thought about the University of Cincinnati, I think it is, or Cincinnati School. I I guess I can't remember exactly what they're called. I think those two probably popped out maybe a little bit more than others. I knew Mm -hmm. I couldn't do something that I'd have to go to the school 
So that was one thing. I was definitely uh, had a family at this point. I had my daughter. Um, I had just adopted my son, I believe. Yep, I had adopted my son. Um, and my husband had a career here. So it needed to be something that was online. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had looked at those two places. Um, and I think probably what led me to Frontier more um, was maybe the support of the midwives around here. A lot of them had gone to Frontier, not all of them, obviously, but a lot of them had gone to Frontier and had such great experiences that I, I was more drawn that direction. So that's where I ended up going. So I've had quite a few Frontier grads, but share your perspective of how the school is set up, how many times you had to visit, and just what how you felt about Frontier. Yeah, so I um, had applied um, and I was accepted and they said, hey, we have so many people this term. Are you okay to uh, um, be accepted into the next term? Um, and I'm like, well, that that's great. That's wonderful. So I appreciated that kind of communication. Um, we had to go to what they call their frontier bound, which is kind of, you know, meet your classmates and, you know, the school is cool kind of a feeling, um, which I think online you definitely could get lost in how it feels very disconnected, so to mm-hmm. say. So I appreciated meeting my classmates because when they would post things in boards or come to the, um, what they call big blue button, which is kind of your online live kind of a session you kind of knew who they were posting i mean i maybe didn't know everybody but knew quite a few people um so we went to frontier bound for about a week um and ours um was <laughs> called the tundra bound because kentucky that year had quite a bit of ice and snow mm. and so ours was cut short a little bit because um nobody was going to be able to fly in when it started and Nobody was going to be able to fly out if they ended it when they needed to. Um, so that was quite an interesting <laughs> frontier bound yeah. that year. So then everything after that was obviously the online stuff. But I felt like for as much as it was online, I really felt like I was in class. I've done online classes before, and I felt like you just kind of accomplish your task, do your homework, and get a grade. And while Kentucky or Frontier um, – I didn't quite feel that way. I felt like, once again, I kind of knew my classmates. We were in a lot of group projects together. A lot of the thing was done either the big blue buttons or they did the Google Hangout. So um, you really saw people's faces and that kind of connection was good. Um, Then you go back one more time um, for clinical bound, kind of get your check off on, you know, you've got some skills and, you know, you've been practicing this and, Let's do some simulations. That way, if these kind of things come up during your clinicals, you kind of have an idea of where to get started. Uh, So I really liked that. And I really felt like, for the most part, all of my teachers were very engaged and really wanting me to excel. I definitely could think of a few that just kind of went above and beyond what teachers um, needed to do, per se. Mm -hmm. So I really liked that. I think I had quite a easier time than maybe others when it came to finding clinical placement. Well, I shouldn't say easy, hard and easy, maybe. Um, I had a couple places around here where I had looked. Um, and one of the groups here in Lincoln said that as long as they were not hiring a midwife at the time, mm-hmm. that they could take me as a student. And so they weren't 
um, actively um, having someone in their clinic. So they took me on as a student. Um, so that was quite easy in that aspect. But I know other people have harder time with clinical placement um, with Frontier because you have to find your own clinical site. But mm-hmm. I, I really lucked out, I feel like, in everything. And I had a really good experience with Frontier. So I was pretty fortunate that way. And to clarify, too, how they set up their... This is what I understand. I did not attend Frontier. But you do all your classwork first, and then you do all your clinical in big one, one big chunk. One big chunk, yeah. Yep. Okay. And I've heard a lot of people really like it that way versus integrating throughout the curriculum. Yeah, I wouldn't know the difference, I would say. So I appreciated that it felt like once I knew the information I knew, I really used all of it. Because instead of doing GYN and having GYN, it was you have your GYN, you have your antepartum, you have your labor and delivery, you have your menopause. And these clients are coming in scattered throughout a clinical day. So I was able to take on all of it, I guess. Um, yeah, not that sense. I was definitely no expert in my field, but um, at least I had an idea about all of them and kind of that um, beginner level. And I really appreciated that. Yeah, I think it's a good setup. And I didn't even go there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Did you go to school full-time, part-time, and did you work? I went full-time. I, as far as me, I'm the type, I need to start it and get it done. Mm -hmm. So I, that part-time thing does not appeal to me at all. I, um, when I was accepted, found out I was pregnant. (laughs) So... I was full-time and pregnant and had a baby and have my 12 weeks off where I used as much of that 12 weeks off to do um, one of my um, terms because it happened to fall within one of the terms. So, um, And then after that, took a part-time status, but really tried to work as much as I could until clinical bound. So I was definitely full-time for a while. And then 12 weeks after my son was born, I took part-time with probably more of a part-time hours, but at least I could kind of look at the schedule of Frontier and kind of find Mm -hmm. the days that I could work a little bit more. So that really worked out for me. And then once you hit clinicals, you cannot do clinicals where you work. So I took um, a PRN status and took no hours over the time that I was working, um, or sorry, doing clinicals um, to be able to do clinicals in the site that I was at. Oh, that's a nice kind of way around it yeah so I I still had a yeah 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 some people either take a position on a different floor Mm -hmm. um or quit their job or some jobs are happy enough to let you go PRN because they at least want you back for a little while which is where Mm -hmm. my job was they were happy to have me they understood I was going to be gone for a while um but yeah but it also helped clinicals so you can kind of set up your clinicals the way you need to I mean if you need to do them full-time you can do them full-time if you need to kind of do a more part-time status if you I mean at that time it was very flexible that way so I literally was on call 24 7 I went to anything I could go to with the exception of obviously I can't be awake for days on end you know I wasn't and the site that we're at typically has 15 to 20 births um on their heavy birth months. So it wasn't, uh, I have a birth every day kind of experience. So Mm -hmm. it worked really well. So I started in July and finished in December and had 
accomplished pretty much the tasks that um, were set forth for clinical. Do you recall, did you have to finish that in a certain time frame? A minimum was, I believe, 16 weeks. You could not do underneath that. And so I don't remember the hours, 600 hours, 700 hours, where that mm-hmm. fit, but yeah. um, somewhere around there. And that's what their minimum was. I think the hours is pretty standard. Yeah. I think mine was seven or 800. Do you have a ma- like a maximum amount of time that you can finish it in? That like six part, months, I, a year, do you know? I don't. I don't think, I don't remember there being a maximum. I know that I've had Frontier students since then. And one of our students that we had hosted for a while kind of had a, not a very good experience in so that she couldn't quite get her burst. And then one site had dropped and one site, it just happened to be really slow and one site this and one site that. So she had actually taken at least a year to complete her clinicals. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely know there was, if there was a maximum, there's got to be exceptions to the rules because you can't account for everything that can happen in right. clinical life and other practices' lives and, you know, where births always fall or how heavy or small a clinic will be with how many women are due a month. So it sounds like they're pretty flexible. Yeah. It, yeah. So you had a baby and a working husband. How was your balance, family, work, school, life at that time? Um, No life. (laughs) That was done. So, um, and I definitely missed a lot of extended family things. Um, I tried to do as much as I can with my immediate family was kind of our goals for things and holidays. We tried to still hit as much as we could, but um, you know, my kids definitely didn't see me as much as they wanted to, or when I had homework, they really had to kind of leave me alone and um, I could not have done it without kids that understood and without a husband that didn't understand. I mean, he really took on everything and took up the slack and I could not have done full time at all whatsoever had it not been for his support and my kids support. Mm-hmm. It just would not have worked and I would not have got the grades and I would not have finished when I did because that's what made the whole thing work. That is always a takeaway message in these interviews is the your support of your family is so crucial. Yeah, I you always see posts from students saying, you know, can I do full time and work and blah, 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 blah. And I always message back. You can't. Yes, anybody can do it, but you only can do it if you have support for the rest of your life, because mm-hmm. your friends you know, if they're not supportive, some of them aren't great friends and kind of lop off the face of the planet. Or if your family's not supportive or your work's not supportive or whatever the case may be, that kind of stress just adds to the pile. And I know some people are great under stress and some people can't hardly do any stress, but I think a lot of us fall a lot in the middle. And for all those middle people, I think that support is what gets you through school. I agree with you. So money question, how'd you finance this education of yours? Loans. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Everything was loans. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember which loans they were, school loans, that loan, this loan, and working. I mean, I really did work as much as I possibly could for a while. So we were fortunate our home life didn't need extra support. So it was just the school tuition that 
needed the loan support. Mm -hmm. So you're paying those back now as we speak. Um, We've actually paid them off. Wow. In two years? Yeah. That's beautiful. I think a lot of that comes from my husband and I being on the same page about finances because once again, I don't think it would work. But we downgraded our house for a while. Um, Not that we had a big house by any stretch. It was a two bedroom with five of us living in it. But um, we used the money that we had in that equity and we went to an apartment um, that was small enough to not be able to even fit a washer and dryer. And during that time and saving whatever we would have paid on mortgage, um, we chunked it all into loans and we didn't do anything as far as going out to eat or going to a fun movie or um, getting that big toy the kids want or mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. We spent a lot of time on free splash pad parks and going um, asking for um, memberships to zoos from family members for Christmas and mm-hmm. trying to find a ways around that to do those kind of extracurricular type of things. But um, we... Yeah, we didn't have a life for a little while, <laughs> and we spent it all on not having loans. But good for you. You're financially free. Yeah, it's nice. The only thing we have right now is our house. That is really great. Yeah. I admire you. So do you remember how long after your graduation you passed your boards? Did you pass the first time, and what did you use to study? Um, so I used that fancy red book to study that everyone says, which I think has either become the teal book or the teal book is another one. So I, I wish I could so remember too. the name of that. Yeah. Um, and really that those books, I felt like when I got to boards, I f- was fully prepared because a lot of those questions I felt like were very like the boards almost came from the book in a way because mm-hmm. it prepared you so well. So I really appreciated those books and that's really what I did. I dove into those books. And if I had a question that I could not really figure out and maybe it was some medication, maybe it was some, and then I researched it from the books I had from the school. So I understood it better. So why did I get it wrong? What was the problem? And then I would research it a little bit more. So I had started um, school in March and then I had finished, so March, so you're supposed to have finished full-time in about two years. I had finished just under, because I had finished my clinicals in December. I had graduated in January. I think it was January 21st. And I took my boards the beginning part of February. So I had graduated, I think took my boards two to two, three weeks later. Um, and then I did pass the first time. Although I think most of us, may I shouldn't speak for most of us, may, maybe many of us feel like you come out of them feeling like you failed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, they tell you right then and there that you had passed. So I was over the moon by passing and was super excited. And um, some of us frontier um, people have um, kind of a Facebook page and there's kind of this infamous passing picture that you post and it's in everybody's car because you come right out of the clinical site with your paper that says you passed and you kind of take the selfie and you all post them and everyone's excited and say congratulations and good job so I took the infamous selfie and posted it on the frontier page and um was super stoked so I that's fun 
There we Do you go. remember how uh, long it took you to get your license in Nebraska? Yeah, so yeah. then licensure. So that was in February, and I think um, by the end of March, I think I had my license because I – sometime in March. So I had started April 1st in my job, and I had my license by that point. And in Nebraska, you can start your licensure before you even take your boards. So what all the requirements that they have, so um, obviously your your money, your um, where you went to school, where, where the um, transcripts are going to be coming from and making sure that you have your boards paid for, all those kind of things, just the little nitpicky things you can start ahead of time. So that way, when you get your boards, they can, or you get your graduation certificate and your um, transcripts, they can send those in. And then once you get your boards, then they send those in. So that process, I feel like, did not take very long. So it it was maybe a month, month and a half, and I had my licensure. Well, that's helpful. Tell me about your job. Was it the same job? Was it the same place you did your clinical? Yeah, it actually was. They had been very hesitant at taking me on a student, like I said, because if they were hiring a midwife, they didn't want to train a midwife and train a student. So um, in, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to do years now. Was that 2017 then that would be? of this January of 2017. So I would have been in clinicals in July. In January, they had put out an application for a midwife or thought about putting out an application for a midwife. That's what it was. Um, but they kind of had really low census for new OBs that month. And they kind of thought, well, maybe we should hold off. What What's happening? Why aren't they coming to our clinic? Um, was there something on social media? Like what, the, all the things you kind of think about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the next month was fine and the following month is fine. So it was just kind of that fluke month where there was just not a whole lot of um, pregnant women there. Um, and so they put up the application in May. Meanwhile, in two months, I'll be starting um, to be a student. And they had a couple of applications, but not any that they felt like um, were kind of what they were looking for or going towards or the experience they wanted or whatever the case may be. So when I had started in January or July, sorry, July, um, they had not hired a midwife. Um, so then by the time August came around, so a month later, um, the two midwives, Jill and Dana, kind of thought, well, maybe this is stupid to put an application out. We have a student right here, and she's from Lincoln and likely will stay in Lincoln and knows the hospitals, and we know her, and we kind of know how she practiced as a labor and delivery nurse. And um, they thought, well, this is kind of silly. We should just offer her the job. So I used to, um, remember Jill coming up to me and going, hey, what do you think if we offered you a job here? And I said, I think that would make my heart happy. <laughs> And so that's what they did. And we talked about what that would mean to be in that office and what hours would be and call schedule and all that stuff that you do when you get hired. And um, so I um, was hired that August. Well, that's a nice transition. Yeah. Once again, I think, however, super lucky. We have only two midway free groups in Lincoln. There is no more. Um, and there is frequently not positions open. So, mm-hmm. Um, to be able to stay in the town I lived in, in the town I did my preceptorship, in the hospital that I had done a lot of labor and delivery experience with, um, I, I felt fortunate. Once again, I think from the start of my friend asking me, you know, do you want to work in this job? And all the ladies asking me about being a nurse and the midwife that said that I should become a mid, midwife. And I mean, 
I think my career path and God himself had just really put me in this direction and I am here and working what is now my absolute favorite dream job. So yeah, super lucky. Yeah. That your journey was surely laid out for you. Yeah. Um, So what does that practice look like for you? What's your schedule? What kind of patients do you see? How's your call? All the things that somebody would want to know. Yeah. So for our three midwives, we also have now six OBs. Um, We, as the midwives, take call a third of the month. Makes sense. There's three of us. So um, typically that means about two to maybe three days a week you're taking call. Um, We have, like I said, about... 15 to 20 patients do a month. There's obviously some higher months, some lower months. Um, uh, so that it kind of it evens out. I hear a lot of people say a third of call is a lot. Um, but I think just because the amount of patients that we have, it ends up really working out pretty well. Um, in office, we have three and a half clinic days. Um, so I um, and off a full day during the week, which is Tuesdays. Um, and then we have half day Fridays. Um, clinic patients are really anything. So it's it's definitely OB related. We don't get a lot of primary care. We're definitely an OBGYN clinic. Um, but we get, um, you know, almost every type of patient throughout, you know, the journey of menstrual cycles on. So um, teenagers to menopause to everyone in between to STD checks to vaginitis and breast checks and um, pregnancy and birth control and infertility, um, you know, preconception, all of those things definitely pass through our clinic. How is your autonomy as a midwife with the, with your physicians? I don't have any idea what the laws are in Nebraska. So how does that play into your practice? Yeah. Yeah. So we are, um, we have to have a physician agreement to be able to practice as midwives in Nebraska. Um, we, like I said, we have now six, we just hired another OB. So we have, you just have five, but we have six. Um, so I, as far as autonomy goes though, I still feel like I'm able to practice being a midwife. I am able to cut my clinic short to go labor support. I, um, if I have a patient that does not want any interventions, if we are in that safe space, of a healthy mom, healthy baby, um, I'm supported. I, um, if I'm trying different kind of natural remedies for, let's say maybe conception or um, menstrual cramps or or whatnot, because we have a lot of patients that don't um, want to do a lot of medication type options. Um, I don't I don't get grief um, from my OBs um, um, or from my clinic in general for that matter. So. Autonomy, yes, I have to practice under a physician clinic. I still feel pretty um, supported that um, I'm I'm able to practice the way I need to practice. I don't feel pushed. I don't feel like I have to break someone's water to make things go faster. I don't have to push Pitocin because I'm, we've got to get a baby out. You know, I um, I had a patient not too long ago that was seven centimeters for seven hours, and I think in a lot of places that would not be as tolerated. But once again, mm-hmm. with the exception of I've got a healthy mom, healthy baby. And obviously at this point we are doing interventions, but um, I was supported and, and that baby came out, 
you know, vaginally, which was great and went, did really well. So, um, I, I, yeah, I feel like I'm pretty supported by most of our OBs. So, well, it sounds like they know your value and they appreciate it. And that's what it comes down to. Yeah, I sure hope so. (laughs) You know, they appreciate that you can care for that mom that needs your, your labor support and, you know, know what kind of position changes to help with if you have that stalled active labor and all the things that midwives do. Yeah. And for the other part of call, so we take first call for OB during the night. Um, so we might have a doctor patient that we have. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, if that doctor's on call, they take their own OBs. But um, so if I have a patient that's a doctor patient, that doctor's not on call, I'm the first OB call. So they trust us in that way as well um, because they have to trust us with their patients and they do. So um, and it doesn't end up being a million more births a month. Um, I go some months that I haven't had a, a delivery for um, an OB or a doctor patient um, for a while. And some months I have quite a few, but um, it pans out as well. They take all the first GYN call. So we don't yeah. have those calls. So man, it really evens out that way. So um, at first I kind of thought that wasn't going to be so hot, but um, after kind of being in that type of call and, and those type of experiences, um, it, it really works out pretty well. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like your job and schedule offers you a good work-life balance now? Yes. Yeah. I would say even maybe more so when I was a labor and delivery nurse because I was night shift and labor and delivery nurse, which if I had to go back, I'd go back to night shift in a heartbeat. But Mm -hmm. um, I think night shift, you start at kind of funny hours. So the in-between school and starting night shift, there's not that many hours there. And some days you're the night shift type of sleep is just different than day shift type of sleep. And so, Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't always maybe fully present with my kids or, um, now I am not always up every night of the week. I can go some months that I've been up maybe one night the whole month. And obviously other months I've up almost every day I am on call, but, um, I feel like because of that, it has really, given me a lot more time with my children and a lot more time with my husband and friends and um, reading a book for pleasure (laughs) or doing crafts because I like to do those things I'm able to do. And um, I, the balance has really been a huge change compared to when I was labor and delivery nurse and obviously when I was in school. Mm -hmm. What would somebody coming into Lincoln, Nebraska, even though there's no jobs, let's pretend there was, what would a new grad expect for salary? Um, that is a great question. I would think probably somewhere between 80 and 90,000 okay. um, would be a starting point here. And I don't know if it's Nebraska. I don't know if it's just our clinic. Um, but I would say that would be pretty reasonable um, yeah. for our area. That's a common answer I've gotten for like the Midwesty kind of. So uh-huh. You're probably on point yeah. for that. Yeah. And your balance. I know that there's definitely other areas that are probably in the 100,000 range. And I think the balance maybe Midwest wise, maybe not all cities, but our cost of living is also a lot different here. So I think that's kind of where yeah. when a new grad would look at some of those places, you really got to look at cost of living, regardless of where it is in the United States um, and definitely their area to make sure that they're not um, undervalued in the way that they get paid. Very true. 
So now that you've gone through this journey, you've been practicing for a couple years, how has your reason for being a midwife changed or grown? What what brings you into work every day? I think the way it's grown, um, I'm not sure changed. The reason has always been supporting people. And I think that's kind of where I've started out from day one. Um, but I think it's changed. And now I, as a labor and delivery nurse, I definitely saw things that didn't need to happen. And now I have found how much more control I can have to help prevent some of those things. Um, And not just labor and delivery. I think we talk about that a lot just because we know midwives help with birth. But I have seen people in my practice who have come to me and maybe their first um, pap smear experience was so terrifying that they have such high anxiety. And after their maybe done in my approach, they're like, oh, that was amazing. It it didn't hurt like it had last time or you really walked me through it. I felt so much less, less anxious. I think that part has been so rewarding to find those kind of answers or to find somebody that is trying to figure out birth control, contraception type things and was never told maybe natural family planning or maybe an IUD or they didn't know options. And so I have felt that now as a midwife, I am giving options for women and I am letting them know this is what's out there. Maybe some people don't like IUDs and so they don't recommend them. Maybe I don't particularly like Nexponons because they kind of freak me out because I'm needle phobic, <laughs> but <laughs> I still support that. And I still yeah. make sure they get to where they need to go to get those things if it's not per se me. Um, so that part has been super rewarding is finding those people that have not had the options and now they do and they feel great. I feel great. Um, so that has been amazing. Every time I ask this question and I get the answer, I love midwives even more because (laughs) all the reasons may be different, but it just all comes down to like, being a midwife. That's such a broad answer. You midwife everything. <laughs> and I just yeah, love it. I, I love midwife. I midwife my kids too. Yeah. We, we <laughs> you have do. an owie? Let's breathe. Take some deep breaths. <laughs> <laughs> In and out. <laughs> Relax your body. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. So we're getting to the end. What um give me a quality characteristic that you have. Name one that you think has gotten you here and through your journey. I don't know. Perseverance, maybe. Okay. I think would be a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. It definitely takes it to get here. Do you want to share um, your website, Facebook page? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so um, we have a Facebook page that's Lincoln OBGYN. Um, and LincolnOBGYN.com um, is our website. Um, and the kind of fun thing about the Facebook page is I think um, it's kind of fun. We So we put our moms and our, and our babies up on our Facebook page. And it's kind of fun to see some of those people's journeys and their excitement to being a new family. And um, I mean, if nothing else, I don't think we're supporting our... <laughs> Um, business as well as maybe we should, but gosh, we see these growths happening and I think that's just super incredible or 
um, we bring awareness to per se, you know, breast cancer awareness month or mm-hmm. NICU awareness month. Or um, I think once again, not everybody knows what screenings out there and kind of bringing those to the forefront um, to people. I think that's a huge Facebook kind of incentive for us is once again, just helping women um, kind of finding a path in their good health. Yeah, I think so. Do you have anything else you'd like to add to somebody that says, I want to be a midwife. I want to go down this road. Yeah, I think I do. I think you have to be ready for some hardships. I think a lot of careers are that way. Um, But I think if you're going into it thinking it's all kind of daisies and rainbows, you know, you have to think about the perspective of you're going to meet people who have had a loss. And and maybe it's the loss of their husband. Maybe it's the loss of a um, relationship. Maybe it's the loss of their baby or maybe it's a miscarriage. Like, I think we forget sometimes how we can impact people's lives in those ways. And if you're not ready for it, I think that's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if you're on this path and you're ready for the daisies and rainbows, um, be ready for them because they come, but you also have to be ready for the the clouds and the rainy days. And if you can find yourself versatile in all those ways, man, I think that's going to make you a really good midwife. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was good advice. All right, Amber, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to another great episode of the Journey to Midwifery podcast. Remember to check out my website at www.journeytomidwifery.org. You can find some great blog posts. You can find some digital products there like a birth log and an evidence-based book. You can contact me there. And you can also find me on Instagram as midwife.mommy. If you are a midwife and you'd like to interview with me or you are a professional with an expertise in a specific area that midwives would like to hear about, please contact me. I would love to hear from you. Until next time, friends.